Hey everyone, welcome to the Landlord Association podcast. I'm your host, George Gao. This is a podcast by the landlords and for the landlords in the greater Houston area. We'll discuss tips, strategies, techniques to help our listeners to be more educated and ultimately become more successful rental property owners and investors. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Charles Wynn, a Houston-based wholesaler who was a corporate IT professional and built a wholesaling business with scalable systems and processes while maintaining his full-time job. So he has since become known as the Wholescaling Ninja. Now Charles has expanded his wholesaling business into multiple markets nationwide and runs Houston Real Deal, a local networking group that focuses on building a community of real estate investors and professionals. In this podcast, we'll get into how he got started in the real estate business, why he continues to invest in his real estate education and mentorship programs even today by attending mastermind meetups across the country in order to take his business to the next level. Start our conversation went along again, but he shared a lot of great mindsets that a wholesaler would need in order to become successful in this business. Also, he mentioned two or three books that are must-reads for any new investor. Lastly, if you're interested in attending one of his local workshops where he brings in national speakers to share real wholesaling strategies, he provided a special discount code just for our Landlord Association members. Also toward the end, we got a little sidetracked and discussed some of his personal health strategy, which I found very interesting. All right, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Charles Wynn. Hi, Charles. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me and uh, look forward to seeing if I can add as much value as I can for your listeners. Well, I'm sure you would. Um, so I met you through Jimmy, uh, yep. who introduced you to um, as a potential guest for the podcast. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say and uh, you know, introduce more uh, knowledge about real estate and wholesaling to our audience. So uh, just to give us our audience a little bit more background on yourself, how did you get started in real estate or you know, wherever you want to start? Okay, sure. Yeah, so um, I, I would probably say, I mean, you probably can't see me through the air. Uh, I'm sorry, through the uh, sound waves, but uh, you know, I'm, I am Asian. Uh, so I grew up uh, what I would probably say is a stereotypical Asian. Uh, my uh, parents stressed the importance of good grades and uh, good education and go and get a, well, they probably wanted me to be a doctor, but uh, that wasn't in my path. Uh, so uh, they still wanted me to have a good corporate job. So I did that, and I had a 17-year career um, in IT. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, I started looking around at things and wanted to kind of go do something different. Maybe not so much different, but I wanted to go look at things so that I didn't have to work, you know, 100 hours a week um, and for someone else. So then I was kind of at a tipping point of, do I, uh, what do I go do? And so I looked at everything. I looked at franchises. I looked at opening businesses. What was this? Uh, this was probably about 2013. Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, I, I, one of, actually, someone who worked for me had said, hey, you should go look at real estate. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, let me go take a look. And uh, once I started taking a look, then I was like, uh, real estate makes a whole lot of sense uh, from all the benefits. Uh, not only are there, you know, there's appreciation, um, depreciation, tax benefits, uh, as well as uh, cash flow. Uh, and one of the nice things about real estate is you can manage your risk a heck of a lot better than you can either in the business or in a stock market. 
and you know I used to work for investment banking yep. so I completely understand the stock market model and uh, you know that's a little bit risky business uh, you know you, you can you can do things to manage your risk but it's a little bit harder and you, you can't really buy stocks at a discount yeah no um, yeah I think you got a lot of things you mentioned uh, tax benefits appreciation cash flow and also just more control of your valuation and what you, what you buy and how you buy it when you buy it um, and um, so coming from a corporate world you had you, you went through educate you had education you had uh, you went through an IT background. How do you learn about real estate? Do you read books? Do you have a mentor? Do you take classes? I mean, after your friends told you, hey, you look into real estate, you know, what was your, you know, do you go just buy a house, jump in, learn the hard way, or what was your next step? Yeah, so, uh, and if I even take a step back a little bit further, years ago, even before 2013, kind of in that um, 2008, 2009 bubble, uh, I bought a, bought a few, I had bought a few properties, uh, just, but they were, when they talk about you're doing it as a hobby, that's what I had done. Right. I just, you know, just bought it and someone else took care of it. And I didn't, I didn't, I think I probably went to the property once yeah. uh, because I was really just focused on corporate uh, world. But I just bought houses and then I just kind of left them there and, you know, someone else managed them. So I didn't never really thought about them. Um, so, but when I went in this time, then uh, I'm a type of person who I dive. When I dive into something, I kind of dive pretty deep, and I, I'm pretty aggressive about it. So, I mean, I'm one of those who stay up till 2 in the morning watching YouTube videos, reading books every night, um, just learning as much as I can. And then uh, I ended up going to a couple of uh, different seminars, and uh, I hooked up with uh, my very first real estate mentor, mm -hmm. uh, Ray Sasser, uh, out of Houston. I always call him one of the OGs of uh, real estate in Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, really, really good guy. Uh, well known in Houston. He's, I mean, rehabbed hundreds of houses, if not a thousand houses. He's uh, walked a ton of houses. He's an expert negotiator, a good transaction engineer. Um, and, you know, and me and him are still very good friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great. So you took the you took the time to learn about the business, reading books, you know, listen to tapes and watch YouTube videos and Took some classes. I mean, yep. that's really kind of the first step. Maybe if you're taking real estate, that you mean you buy a couple of houses, but next step really is to you want yeah. to learn more, get a mentor, invest yeah. some time and money, and learn more about the business. So, what's uh, what's Ray's business model? Is that and is that what you did? Uh, yeah. So um, Ray's business model is he's very much a buy and hold and cash flow and creative financing person. Mm -hmm. So when I started in real estate, that's what I learned. Okay. Um, you know, he, he's a master at at determining um, present value of income streams and things like that. Um, you know, it may sound confusing over the air, but, you know, once you start to understand how people really make money in real estate and understand uh, how the money works, then it becomes much easier and you can get more creative in how you're putting together deals. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, I mean, we always tell people, yeah, we'll go buy a house at 100% of the value and still make a lot of money. Uh, as long as we can put together the deal right, right, uh, and you know, and he's he's fantastic. I mean, the very first house, uh, let's just call it the very first real investment house I went and walked. Um, I had just started in real estate, had no real clue of what I was doing, uh, and you know, that first house he actually went with me, and I don't think I said a word to the seller. 
uh, when I went there just because, you know, that's just real estate wasn't my world back then. Yeah. I was still getting started. I didn't know how to fill out a contract. Right. Uh, we ended up getting that house subject to, which is basically um, we take over the mortgage versus us paying cash outright for the house. And then ended up uh, selling it on owner finance wrap. Uh, you know, for a first transaction, uh, it's not something I would recommend. And I wouldn't recommend doing it by yourself. Uh, you know, I was pretty fortunate I had, had Ray with me, uh, who I can go ask a ton of questions to. But I did learn a lot through that process. Okay. And one thing I would recommend to anyone, when anybody asks me is, I always say, yeah, if you want to go faster, then go get a mentor. You can learn anything you want on YouTube, uh, books and whatnot, as long as you're following the right people. Right. Um, but if you want to go faster, then I highly recommend going get a mentor. Even to this day, I still have mentors who I'm like, I'll gladly go pay to go faster. Um, you know, uh, kind of also that's my personality. I want to grow and I want to grow fast. Um, you know, I can't sit still for very long. I just got to go. Right. Okay. We'll get to all that, and you throw a lot of terms out there for, for our first time. Listeners. Okay. So you said, uh, I mean, creative financing, you subject to, yep. and then you sold it, you bought it subject to, and you bought you sold it owner financing, and, uh, you know, with a wrap, I mean, basically wrapped on the, yep. on the subject to. Um, I mean, for, just for, I don't know, I don't know how, how just explain. Okay, more, explain more. what, yeah. and let me, let me kind of explain a little bit more too in detail. So, um, you know, basically when we bought the house, we bought yeah. the house when, um, without paying off the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'll just make up some numbers cause I can't remember the exact Perfect. numbers right now. Yeah. Uh, but let's just say there was uh, about $150,000 left on the mortgage. Um, so that just meant we weren't going to pay off that 150. We just bought the house, uh, subject to that mortgage. Um, there was probably, she was probably behind a little bit. Um, I can't remember. It might've been around 10 to 15,000, um, somewhere in that range. So we bought it, uh, we brought the loan current and then we turned around and sold it, mm -hmm. uh, basically without paying off the underlying mortgage. Right. So that's the house worth 200,000. Yeah, so the house was probably worth in the two fifty to yeah, probably two fifty right. range. So the the next owner had to put on a down payment. Yes. So the next so the person who bought it from yeah. us right. uh put down a down payment right. that basically covered all of the the arrears that we had uh ended up putting up to bring the loan current. Yeah. And, so and transaction cost. And, yes. Yeah. So net net, I mean, uh we by the time we sold it uh, we weren't, we didn't have any money in the actual deal. Right. So when people talk about, uh, you know, buying houses with zero, without any money, that is effectively a way to do it. Right. And you're still making a spread. On yes. The so we're still making a spread on the interest. Right. Um, you're paying the mortgage off at four or five percent in your own finance so with somebody who doesn't have the credit to qualify for conventional financing at a, like eight or nine percent. Correct. Yeah, so there, there's a, a bit of a spread in between what we're paying yeah. the bank, underlying bank, and what the uh, new homeowner is paying us. Right, yeah. And that's certainly uh, one of the niches you can go into yep. uh, for whether it's Ray or somebody who wants his mentees. And if you want to go into that, I mean, there's a whole books and whole series and who can go to yeah. teach you about subject twos and creative fin owner financing and uh, doing that. 
Um, but is that is that the path you went down, or how you know how many houses you do in that before you kind of uh, change something else? That, you know, going to the Hold on. yeah, yeah. So kind of my my story is a little funny in that respect because that's how I grew up in real estate is doing creative financing. So everything was pretty much a, a zero money out of pocket. Even that kind of deal that we did, we were only out of pocket maybe for about a week. Uh, because by the time we bought the loan current and then the time the other person came in, um, then it was probably about a week or so, if I remember, because uh, we weren't out of pocket for very long. And the other interesting thing, uh, before we get back to your question on that house, is we actually sold the house on Craigslist. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so the buyer came from a Craigslist ad. Yeah. Uh, so you had to... Yeah. Well, not or anything. yeah, so it ended up our buyer came from Craigslist. So <laughs> there's different ways to sell houses. Right, yeah. yeah. You have to pay yeah. that 6%. And yeah, now. Get, wait for the bank appraisal. You just use owner financing. Yeah, now. Save a lot of uh, paperwork and headaches. Yeah, yeah. now. So we, we did it pretty quick. Okay. Um, and then uh, so to answer your question about uh, my path. Yeah. So I... I did a lot more creative financing deals after that because that's that's just what I did. Uh, I never actually envisioned becoming a wholesaler, mm-hmm. but what I ended up doing in the process because one of the things that I did is I never really bought from wholesalers mm-hmm. when uh, when I started. Yeah. I just went and found my own deals, and for me, the definition of a wholesaler is somebody who's finding their own deals, and. It, <clears throat> If you, if you buy the deal yourself, then you're really just wholesaling it to yourself. Whether you pay yourself or not, at the end of the day, the process of finding these deals is, to me, wholesaling. You're just, you know, just going to wholesale it to yourself. So I ended up kind of you know, always going to look for my own deals mm-hmm. and kind of in that process because my background, uh, I'm, I was in IT. I was a director of IT at an investment bank. So my background is IT systems and processes. So I, that's what I did for a living was go build systems. So I ended up more or less building a wholesaling engine uh, that just generated, generated leads. And then at that point, it becomes, well, it's just I have a wholesaling business that I just end up wholesaling to myself. I mean, sometimes uh, I would uh, bring on partners or whatnot to do different houses, JV partners to do different houses. But most of the time it was, you know, I was building an engine and, you know, I was acting as a wholesaler, Yeah. whether it was to myself. And then I started actually selling some to other investors. So then that's kind of how my wholesaling uh, career got started, so to speak, because uh, I never intended on being a, <laughs> I never intended on being a wholesaler. But by default, once you build that wholesaling engine, then it's almost you can't stop it. Right. I never heard anybody playing wholesaling that way before. So that's interesting. You're just kind of wholesaling to yourself, which makes sense. You know, yep. you're, just, you're just finding the deal, and your ultimate end buyer is yourself. But you know, you get paid in the back end when you you know you you sell it or keep it or you refinance it. So that's that's very interesting. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're an engineer or, you know, you build this process and process, you know, how, how did you, do you, um, have people help you, you know, find sources or do you like just start cold calling you bought lists, you start cold calling mm-hmm. or do you do paper clicks and do you have all those different sources or do you kind of gradually build up your wholesaling, uh, system and process? I mean, do you just, you start mailing 10,000 letters a month? 
Yeah, no. So uh, in the beginning, uh, it's I did whatever I could. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm like I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty aggressive just because, I mean, my background, I came from investment banking, so we're aggressive in by nature. And I also, I consume information pretty rapidly and at a big, like I, I'll ch- try and go grab as much information as I can, yeah. engineering me, go grab as much as I can, process it all and, and uh, go figure out what I think is going to work. Right. Um, so in the beginning, I did a lot of um, internet marketing as well as uh, direct mail, uh, because for me, that was easier. Um, because it was, I'm not gonna say it wasn't time intensive, but it was not as time intensive as cold calling. Um, you know, because I still had a, had a day job, so the quickest and easiest way to actually get leads would be do direct mail um, and do internet marketing. So those are the two that I kind of started off with um, in the beginning, um, because they were, you know, I always view it as you either have time or money, some combination of the two, uh, you know, at, you know, at the time I was fortunate, you know, I had money because I was, had a W2 job. I didn't really have time, so to speak, but I kind of manufactured time, uh, because instead of working a hundred hours a week in corporate, then I, you know, maybe work 50 hours a week in corporate and 50 hours in real estate. Uh, and so, you know, that's <laughs> what I ended up having to split my time. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just divert some of the brain power from what my corporate job was. Right. Because, uh, I mean, I didn't really get paid overtime. No, no. Oh. And, uh, I mean, it's, uh, but, I mean, it sounds like you put a lot of time into it, though. I mean, I for know. people who think wholesaling is easy, I mean, this is, yeah. you know. No. You're talking about somebody who's have a whole time full time job, whether or not. I mean, regardless of whether full time job or not, fifty hours is, is no it's yeah. not a, it's not easy uh, picking up for anybody. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like it's pretty intense. Yeah. Be. No, I mean I I say it's pretty intense. Um, I, I'd also say that it is doable because uh, I don't want anybody to think it's not doable. There's tons of people who have corporate jobs and it's absolutely doable. I. I believe it's absolutely doable. I mean, I did it. I would probably tell people do it slightly different than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my lessons learned by doing it while I was in corporate. The first thing, and I learned this lesson, and it's kind of funny because I learned this lesson when I was in corporate as well, but I didn't really apply it into real estate uh, until a little bit later. But it's, you know, in order to grow, you have to delegate and you have to, yeah. you have to hire staff. Yeah. Uh, so the minute that I hired my first uh, person um, to help handle the calls, because it was just getting too much. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I got that person in, and you know, if you view it in the sense that as soon as I hired her, 40 hours a week, someone is doing something in my business. And the big thing that she was doing was taking the calls mm-hmm. and also calling people back. Uh, whereas when it would rely on me, then it's kind of like I have to do it on my break or do it during lunch or do it after hours or on the weekends. Then it, it just uh, it just got bad because I would lose out on a lot of deals because other people were just much faster at getting back to people than I was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, delegating. And I, you know, I just have a few buying home myself, but I even myself, I like to trying to fill phone calls and have a Google voice set up and 
it's hard to get back to people and you know, respond, being responsive and uh, um, you know, be on top of things. So that's your first hire, your VA. Yes. Right? So is that was that person in the states? Was that was that a, a offshore? No, no, offshore in the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. But you train them. You give them yeah. trips and you know. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I was pretty. I'm pretty fortunate too in that respect that uh, as part of my uh, corporate job, I had a lot of people from overseas and in Asia. So I'm kind of used to handling uh, and managing people overseas. Particularly in Asia, yeah. because it's just a different culture than the U.S. Mm-hmm. Whereas typical Asian culture is a little more subdued, and um, a lot of times they won't really give you an opinion. Yeah, uh, they're more of whatever you say, yes sir, yes sir. Uh, whereas uh, I'm kind of used to um, building an organization where I want feedback. I want people to tell me, "Hey, I'm not. We could do this better. Everything is. What can we do better?" And that's what I'm always asking everybody is, what can we do better so that we can be more efficient? And, um, yeah, so I I trained her. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time training her, uh, even though she came from a VA service. I mean, all VA services, they, you know, they give you a good baseline, but then you're still going to want to train them how you want to train them right. and how you want your business run. Uh, the other quick thing I would probably tell your audience, if you're going to hire a VA, particularly if you're going to hire them from a service or even if you, you're trying to find them from Upwork or wherever, is make sure that you find the right person for your team. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to, even if you're using a VA service, I mean, I went through a bunch of them uh, before I, I said, okay, this is the person I'm going to hire. Right. Yeah, it's not uh, always, you always have to go through, I mean, same thing with contractors or anybody you deal with agents. I mean, you always have to find the right person, you, whether personality-wise or knowledge-wise, that kind of benefits and works with each other, right? It's Absolutely. Not, I mean, it's very rare that you, right on the first time you uh, strike gold. Yep. Yeah. And uh, what you said about feedback is perfect. I mean, anybody on your team, if they're not, if you're just saying yes to everything you say, I mean, they're not really adding, about, adding a lot of value, right? It's the ones that are kind of pushing you, pushing back, and giving feedback is ones that really add value to your organization. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, so so you scaled up, you, you did more volumes, you, you, you know, internet, internet marketing, uh, mailing list, and then you start building your team. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is that kind of, at some point you realize, hey, you know, I got to do this full time, uh, you know, or... What was the transition, or did you find yourself more, investing more and more time into real estate and, and your and your uh, W-2 job? Yeah, so the transition to going full-time, um, there's a, a couple of things I would probably say about that. One is you, right, you want to build up as fast as, to me, as fast as you can to figure out if this is for you, especially wholesaling, right? Because uh, a lot of my corporate buddies, they come ask me about it. Yeah. And I, my question to them is always, do you really want to do this? Because right? a lot of times I look back, I'm like, that's a, it's a significant amount of effort. But I'm okay with that because I know my personality. I'm, yeah. I'm used to working pretty hard. Um, so for me, I started scaling up, scaling up, scaling up. And then um, there's a, one of my mentors told me a couple things. Um, he's like, uh, number one is you go make decisions based on faith instead of fear. Okay, I mean I had you know they would call them golden handcuffs, right? I had a really good 
corporate job. I could have stayed there and been very, very comfortable. Uh, you know, that, that's the easy way to, to do it or uh, go jump into uh, real estate. And, um, you know, so a lot of times, right, fear will creep in. It's like, should I really do this? All right. Uh, but, you know, you just got to plow ahead and you got to have the faith that you can do it. Because right, a lot of times people ask me, did you replace your, your, your income before you jumped? I'm like, well, I mean, I had a really good job, so it's kind of difficult, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, to fully replace it, um, you know, do well enough. But, you know, if, if you don't have the faith that you can do it, then it's going to be a really uphill battle. Um, and then the other thing that he mentioned was, uh, and for your audience as well, is, you know, if you really think about it from a wholesaling perspective, um, if you did, if you spent 40 hours a week, 40, let's just say 40 more hours a week than whatever you're doing in wholesaling, how many more deals can you really do a month? And then if you think about that, plus whatever your normal wholesale fee is, how many of those deals does it really take to replace what your income was? And, you know, generally the number's not very high. So, you know, yeah. you think of it that way, then, you know, you, yeah. Anybody who has a resemblance of a decent flow should be able to replace their income okay. eventually. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is tough. I mean, I, I try to put myself in your shoes and, you know, uh, having that steady job and even though you already built, kind of built up a system and process, but still having that, taking the next next step is really a leap of faith. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, the one thing I would advise people to do is m always make sure you have X number of months um, in reserve. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I would, you know, I would recommend when, what my mentor recommended was have a, have 12 months. Mm -hmm. In reserve, yeah. and then if you have twelve months in reserve, you should be fine. Yeah. So let's say your monthly expenses is five five thousand dollars a month with with your mortgage and mm -hmm. you know everything, cars, and so calculate all that in. So times twelve, you need to have sixty thousand dollars. Yep. In the bank before yep. you say, hey, you know, maybe I could give it a shot. Yes. You know? And sixty that sixty grand is just kind of untouchable. It's just you're gonna live off of that, and then right. then you know you'll just you'll just make money off of everything else that you got right just have deals have the initial capital to invest on in the first couple of deals and re keep reinvesting that capital yep. right to to make the operations go all right that's i mean that's uh i mean that's, i think that's pretty high level and i want to bring it back down a little bit okay okay <laughs> absolutely so let's let's go back right so we talked about creative financing we'll walk through example uh let's for our for beginners who doesn't know who does what wholesaling is and what do you do what is wholesaling and kind of gives a one-on-one, you know, okay. what, what, what a typical wholesaler do? Like, you know, we say that they do internet marketing, but, you know, and then what's the, what's the typical uh, people that go out, uh, they're helping, where they're going after, um, you know, how do you, what's the next steps, you know, what's your kind of conversion rate? And, okay. You know. All right. So um, in layman's terms, yeah. I'll give you an example of what wholesaling is. Yeah. So it's like, just imagine um, like Sam's or Costco. They, they get, um, let's just say, a, a bottle of Coke uh, or a two liter of Coke at a discount. Let's just say, uh, make up numbers, but let's just say they buy it at 50 cents 
and then all right and obviously they've got costs to get get that bottle that two liter of coke from wherever coca-cola uh, bottles it uh, to the store uh, and then they have to have staff to sell it and pay for electricity and all that and by the time they sell it to you they're going to sell it to you for 99 cents so they have a 49 cent spread in there uh, and that effectively is what wholesaling is right sam's gets it for 50 they have some expenses in the middle but they sell it to you for 99 cents so they they gross 49 cents and then by the time you put in all the expenses they might really only net 18 cents or what have you but effectively that's what wholesaling is so for instance and in the house example let's just say um i can go buy a house or put a house in a contract for fifty thousand dollars uh let's just say it's worth a hundred twenty thousand dollars and then um you george i'll sell it to you you'd be willing to pay seventy thousand for it because by the time you put in repairs or whatnot then seventy thousand works for you mm -hmm. so then I would go to you and say, okay, uh, got a good house. You say, okay, I'll buy it for 70. So then I would basically uh, assign my rights to that contract mm -hmm. to you for $70,000. So when we go to closing, then you'll bring $70,000 to closing. Um, 50000 will go to the seller, mm -hmm. and then the 20000 difference will go to me as a wholesaler for bringing you the deal. And that house is probably worth a hundred thousand. Right? Yeah, hundred thousand, hundred twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that brings the question: You say in the stock market, there's you can't buy stocks on discount. Right. So in the housing market, why would the homeowner sell a house that's worth a hundred, hundred twenty thousand to you for fifty thousand? Yeah. So, um, and I'll, I'll give you another real world kind of, kind of a different scenario that a lot of people will relate to. Sometimes it's the same reason why someone will sell a car to CarMax versus putting it on, let's just say, Craigslist and selling it themselves. They, they want to sell it fast because CarMax will give them an offer today. They will give them cash today, and um, they don't have to deal with the hassle. Like They don't have to worry about, oh, what paperwork do I need to fill out, all this other stuff. You just bring go to CarMax, hey, I want, I want to sell my, let's say, Honda Accord, right? And CarMax will give you an offer of $10,000. You say, okay, great. You sign the paperwork, and you're walking out there with a check. You don't have to repairs. You don't have to no repairs, nothing. Yeah. Uh, so houses are the same way. Uh, the only difference is normally you're most of the time you're not going to get cash the same day. The seller's not going to cash the same day. Uh, I mean, not to say I haven't given sellers cash the same day and basically taken the title the same day, but normally we go through a title company if we can. Um, so yeah, sellers are all they all come in different situations a lot of times it's you know uh, people pass away um people are in debt Inherited, yep. they don't want to fix the house because it's in disrepair mm -hmm. they're moving and they need to go fast um sometimes it's you know i bought houses from people who they just don't want to list it because they don't want they for whatever reason they don't want to go through the trouble of listing it like some people just really don't want people going through their house. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've definitely bought houses a lot that way as well because, you know, they're like, they and they know that they're selling at a discount, but they are completely okay with it because it reduces their stress. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes it is, um, you know, people, uh, for various reasons, they, you know, they, 
have emotional baggage is right. They don't want to have a clean start. Um, you know, they don't, and they know they're not getting the full value, but they don't have the time or the money or the emotional wherewithal to kind of really start over and, and put that money in or the capital in to rehab and get that full value. Right. Um, so let's stick with the $50,000 example, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you get a contract for 50 uh, and you put, you send it, you market to buyers like myself mm-hmm. or buy and hold or flipping to for, for 70,000. And, uh, how do you, uh, so for me to buy a 70,000 ARB to for hundred to be hundred and hundred twenty thousand, uh, I mean, is there usually like add some repairs you, you estimate for say, Hey, Mr. Buyer, you know, um, you have put another 10 or 20,000 in and you, you end up paying 80,000 total and your ARB is still 120. You know, how do you kind of go through that process of estimating, you know, what's, what's needs to be done? Do you have to yeah. go in there and take a look at it? And what are the major, do you kind of just major list the major things and how do you kind of go through that process? Yeah, so for me, the way I do it with uh, my buyers is I will tell them what I think needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, let me explain, like a lot lot of your listeners may uh, be on the buying side, so they're dealing with wholesalers a lot. So maybe I'll explain kind of how I do it and what they need to watch out for or just things that they just need to be aware of. so when I'll blast out a property or, or approach somebody with a property, I'll normally give them, uh, here's the things that I would repair. And a lot of times I will tell them what I think they should do with the property. Um, because the way I view it is I'd rather sell uh, like you, George, I'd rather sell you 20 houses than just sell you one and kind of mess you over on one and not tell you what you know because there's sometimes i'll tell people like if you're not planning to add on to this house don't buy this house Mm -hmm. you know and you know because we recently did one where it's like you know the only exit strategy i can see where somebody's successful is go add on to this house if you're going to tell me you're not going to add on to this house i'll tell you this is not the house for you right because you're going to lose money like the only value add you just have to add right like you're buying a a two-bedroom kind of a functional obsolescent house in the neighborhood was all three bedrooms and four bedrooms yeah. really if you're going to keep it as two bedrooms no matter what you do to it you're never going to get a full value to exactly it. Yeah. and you know and that particular house was you know you just needed to flip the house mm-hmm. i mean you needed to buy it add a room or a room and a half or a room and a bed bathroom to it and then go flip it mm-hmm. uh it's not a i mean unless you really wanted to hold it for a long time but you know and that's just the way it, uh, I operate, maybe not everybody operates that way, uh, but like I said, I'd rather have repeat customers than um, put some money in a, in a deal where then they're just never going to want to be a real estate investor again, because I, I see that a lot. Um, so um, I tell people what I think they should do. I also tell them in terms of repairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I will tell them what I think they need to fix depending on what they're going to do, like because sometimes... With a, with a rental or an owner finance, you don't have to fix it up quite as nice mm-hmm. as if you're going to do a full retail flip. Right. Uh, so I will let people know what, they, what, they, um, what I think they should do. Uh, in terms of repair costs, I normally don't provide repair costs. Uh, the only reason why is because it could lead to a debate between me and whoever the buyer is because they may repair it a lot cheaper than I can, or they may repair it a lot more expensive than I can. You know, you go ask two contractors for a bid, they're 
going to give you different numbers. Mm-hmm. So I generally rather whoever the buyer is figure out what their number is. Yeah. I, I have a basic idea of what I think it will be, you know, and if we're way out of whack, then I'll just have a conversation. I'm like, I don't know how you're getting that high, uh, but, you know, this is what I think it would be closer to, gotcha. depending on what you want. Experience. Okay. Um, the other thing I would probably say is um, ARVs, uh, after repair values of the house, that's always a debate in the investor wholesaler world uh the way i do it normally is i'm usually very very close and very spot on uh because there's nothing worse than sending out deals and then you get um tagged or labeled as somebody who just inflates their arvs all the time Mm -hmm. uh you know because i i know when people come back to me and say hey you know your arv is actually right and that's like that's just, it's surprising to see wholesalers uh, actually give the correct ARV. I'm like, yes. I mean, you know, for me, I I pride myself on being accurate um, because it's you know you, you want to be accurate, otherwise people stop looking at whatever you're sending out. Yeah. Um, and you know, and again, I I just don't want to put people in bad deals either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in real estate, it's. Um even as for beginners, you, you still you see this repeat the same people over and over. It's a pretty small community. Yep. If you want to really, if you want to have a bad reputation, it's kind of hard to uh, you know make that turnaround um, you know, in the, in the small community. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so for your listeners, yeah, make sure you 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 always validate the numbers. Don't don't rely on whoever's selling you the property to don't just rely on their numbers. Make sure you uh, verify it. Yeah. So I get personally blasted, you know, because I sign up for for wholesaling list. You know, I get huh. blasted like you know, 10, 20, 30 deals a day uh, from different wholesalers. You know, how do you, how does a, a guy like myself or buy a whole guy or a flipper, you know, kind of, you know, without buying like hundreds of deals and knowing this, how do, how do we tell from a good wholesaler from a from a guy who's trying to, you know, rip you off or you know, trying to. Yeah, I mean that's kind of tough. I mean, one thing you could do is um, is find out from other people who the reputable ones are, mm-hmm. and then you know pay attention to their um, emails, mm-hmm. uh, and also go build relationships with them as well. Is probably what I would say. So, for instance, um, if people wanted to, let's just say they wanted to buy from me, then you know, because nowadays I don't even really blast out a whole lot, so. Uh, a lot of times, you know, wholesalers, good ones, they will just call people up right. because they know who who's looking for what in what area. Right. And, you know, so a lot of deals don't even make it to an email blast. Because mm-hmm. in reality, right now, all of the spam filters, like Gmail's spam filter, is, you know, it's just really good. So a lot of that stuff goes to spam, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean... Uh, same thing on MLS, right? If, uh, if a, good, a good agent you know, find a real deal and he knows the buyer's out there, I mean, he's not just going to, you know, put it out and, uh, you know, make it when he knows he can lock it up and get get a really good price from, from some, some, somebody he trusts who can buy the deal. And even more so on the wholesale side is you, you, you have a warrant with somebody, you know that buyer, that buyer can close a deal. Uh, it's a real guy who can, who's either buying a hole or flip a deal. Um, you know, you why bother blasting and mm-hmm. you know fielding twenty calls when you can just 
get a guy where you maybe you can not maximize your value, but you know, mm-hmm. still have certainty to close. That's yep. probably more important to wholesale or save his time. Yeah, and also, I mean, and it kind of goes both ways as well. I mean, I think buyers need to be okay with, um, you know, to me, like deals nowadays, they don't stick around very long. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be competitive, then you actually, sometimes you may need to pay a little bit more than what you would like to pay or would normally pay, but in order to get the deal. Because if it goes to, if it goes to a big buyer's list, then there's going to be kind of a bidding frenzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might get bid up too high past what you would have paid a little bit more for. Right. If that makes sense. Because uh, what I try to tell buyers is, you know, if you like the deal, just just go ahead and get it locked up before it gets out to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's a little bit more, especially, the, especially if you're buying and holding. Uh, my view on buy and hold is just buy as much as you can if it's cash flowing. Buy as much as you can because net net, twenty years from now, it won't matter what you pay. Even even ten years from now, it will not matter what you pay, because if you if you buy in the right areas, mm-hmm. then your house would have appreciated mm-hmm. <laughs> plenty. You would have captured a lot of equity, and um, you'd have a lot of principal pay down or enough principal pay down at that point, and then you can either refi or whatnot. Uh, but if your if your strategy is buy and hold, it's almost uh, buy as much as you can that you can sustain. Right, right. You know? I think people in general people have a rule of thumb. You know, they try to go for one percent deals. You, mm-hmm. know, um, you know, they try to look at numbers where uh, their expenses and you know, everything. Um, you know, they're still getting the one percent return based on what they pay. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I agree. I mean. For buying whole guys, I mean, you got it. It is more, probably more important buying the right place, right location, yep. the right neighborhood, uh, yeah. than saving like 10, 15 grand on the purchase price. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's like almost nothing. I mean, it's like you won't remember what you paid for it. And it's almost, you know, you would be just happy that you bought it. Yeah. But but know the neighborhoods, know the numbers, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you know what you're getting into. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I agree. You can't just always sit on the sidelines worrying about the last. A grand or five grand and yeah, no. uh, never uh, jump into it uh, yeah so yeah don't yeah don't worry about nickel and dime in it um you know the other thing i see sometimes um uh buyers do uh is you know they complain about how much the wholesalers make um and you know i mean for me if somebody complains to me about it i'm like i'm like generally okay but then chances are my likelihood of selling them another deal is going to be a little bit, a lot lower, right. um, because you know a lot of people don't understand how much work it goes into into wholesaling, right. and it's kind of like once you start running big operations, it's like yeah, you know a very small like three thousand dollar wholesale fee, yeah, I'll be losing money on a three thousand dollar wholesale fee. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know, I just know bits and pieces, but I mean. Obviously, marketing is a big expense, uh, but on top of that, you have all the people on your team, and uh, and it's such a competitive. Uh, I mean, yep. It's not like 10, 20, 10, 15 years ago where there's a couple of people in Houston doing wholesaling, and yep. now you know, yeah. every everybody's gone, everybody's everybody's into it. So, uh, so speaking of competitive Houston, the compartment, and you've been here, you know, doing this for a while, and uh, you've been pretty successful. Uh, how do you compete with other wholesalers? Wholesalers, it just 
keep putting you know notes to the grindstone and you know uh, doing do you think different differentiate yourself in terms of letters in terms of the marketing mm-hmm. um, you know, how do you say hey you know buyer I'm gonna keep bringing deals and keep mm-hmm. my pipelines full yeah no that's a good question because in a it's a question that people are always asking. I think I even saw it on Facebook earlier today. How do I, what do I do in a competitive market? Uh, my response is every market is going to be competitive, right? So you just have to believe that you can compete. For me, I'm like, I, I don't worry about competition because, right, there's, just take Harris County. There's a million single family houses here, right? Uh, the likelihood of me and another wholesaler running across the same property is is considerably low, right? There's a million houses out there. I mean, I will occasionally run into the same people. Um, you know, when you do internet marketing, then you'll run into the same people. Mm. Uh, but besides that, if you're doing direct mail or other things like that, uh, likelihood of running into the same people, uh, it's a lot smaller, surprisingly small. Yeah. Um, so you just have to have the viewpoint of, you know, you don't believe in, not that I don't believe in competition, but I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I know that I try to differentiate, is I'm always studying. I'm always a, a student. Right. Uh, um, if, if I'm going to any classes, then nowadays it's usually about marketing, um, scaling. Um, those are probably the two biggest. Uh, and I don't go to as many sales classes as I used to. I used to earlier, but right now I'm all about marketing and scaling. Uh, so, I mean, like take this year, for example, I've been to, I've been to an out of Houston seminar, I think almost every month this year, except for one, uh, either February or March, I didn't go. I can't remember which month. Yeah. So uh, what, what kind of seminar do you go to? Do you have a couple of example, specific examples of mentors of classes who, who teaches class you really like, you really, you, you're pretty going to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, um, so one uh, I went to, uh, I think in May, is uh, Steve Trang. Uh, he's out of Phoenix. Uh, he has a podcast as well called Real Estate Disruptors, a really good podcast. Um, you know, I'm fortunate he actually invited me as, to be a guest, uh, I think, next month. So I'm going out there next month for that. Uh, he's a really good guy. Um, he's actually going to be coming to uh, my event in October as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for folks in Houston, you can come out there and meet them. Um, another person uh, who I've been going to um, see a lot is a guy named Rafael Vargas out of Florida. Uh, he is a big-time wholesaler. Uh, he's national, uh, does everything over the phone. He doesn't go out to houses. Um, you know, I think he does, um, earlier this year, he was doing 40 deals a month. Uh, but now uh, I was just there um, uh, at his mastermind probably a week ago, and now he's upped his game. So I think last month, I think it was about a million dollars in projected um, projected profits. So, uh, yeah. A month? Yeah. Wow. So he's, he's scaled yeah. up tremendously. So he's a person who I'm learning how to scale from or who who I'm tweaking my scaling from. A million, I'm just trying to, try to do the math. A million, let's say you just you know, 20,000 a deal. That's 50, yeah, 50 deals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, he's, he, is, he is cranking. And yeah. you know, the thing I like 
about hanging out with smart people and successful people is they keep on pushing to go yeah. even higher, right? So it's like he was already doing a lot, and Steve Chang's the same way. There, he was already doing a lot, but he's like, how can I go get better? That's it. Yeah. You know, because they're, you know, not that it's not enough, but they're always pushing to get better and better and better. And yeah. um, the other thing I like about those guys is that they're go-givers. Like they, they open up and, you know, you ask them and they'll tell you what they're doing. Yeah. They'll tell you what's working, what's not working. Uh, and then, you know, it, it was really good to hang out with uh, Rafael, um, you know, a week ago. Uh, also, he brought in a lot of his uh, mentors and his contacts too. Mm -hmm. So I connected with the guy who's done uh, seventy five hundred deals mm -hmm. uh, wow. in his career yeah. and something to the tune of half a billion. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and then another guy who's out of Texas who is big in multifamily and has probably I think in the neighborhood of a hundred million in assets. And you know, uh, you know, you want to go hang out with yeah. the smart people who are gonna kind of push you. And also, you know, the, the apartment, the multifamily guy, you know, I, I reached out to him afterwards and we had a good conversation. Yeah. Uh, we, we traded phone numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm definitely going to connect with him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they say your, your network's your net worth. Yeah. Right? So your, uh, who you know really, you know, represents. Absolutely. Who you want to be and, you know. Yeah. I, I, I would tell you. You know, I'm, I mean, some of the folks, um, like Jimmy knows me pretty well. I mean, I'm generally a um, uh, kind of a reserved person. And, you know, so my nature is kind of, you know, I'll stick in the corner, right? I'll observe and, you know, I'll learn. Um, I'm not really out there quite as much, but I would highly recommend people just go out there, go meet as many people as you can. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you would ask me two years, three years ago, what I would have walked up to the multifamily guy the answer probably no yeah. uh, but now I'm like well let me just go meet him right yeah yeah it's, it's um, I mean you say you pay you know 10 20,000 for those masterminds but I mean those are just investments really they're not um, just you know you're not just taking a you know you're picking up somebody's brain who's been there done that I and mean, yep. one golden nugget from those guys can help your you know your business grow 10x so it's uh, oh yeah it's uh, money uh, well paid. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I say that um, you know not from experience, but I can definitely appreciate people who you know kind of done that. And you know, people I listen to other podcasts, and people would kind of say the same thing: is you know they invest in their careers and their education, and it really paid off. Uh, oh yeah. In the future. Yeah. No, I mean I I highly advise people go join masterminds. Go 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 find people that you resonate with, mm -hmm. and go right. Just go meet as many people as you resonate with. Go join masterminds with like-minded people yeah. that have the kind of the same values that you do, yeah. and then you'll you'll do really well. Okay, sounds good. I want to keep going. Um, so you also teach classes uh, here in the Houston area. You had said you had you say you had one mm -hmm. coming up. What do you teach in those classes? You know, mm -hmm. give us a flavor of uh, okay. what, what is that and how long is it? Who should be who is your target audience and yeah. uh, 
you know, why should somebody sign up? Okay, yeah, so um, I guess classes is kind of loose because, um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And I think along the lines of your earlier comment, am I afraid of competition? Um, if I was really afraid of competition, I probably wouldn't be hosting meetups where we actually give out a lot of very good information on how to go about buying houses. Uh, so I run a monthly meetup with Ray, actually Ray Sasser, my uh, mentor. Uh, it's called Houston Real Deal, uh, where we, it's very informal and generally we're just having a conversation and right, we're, we're delivering as much value as we can. Uh, so it's a monthly meetup. Our meeting is next week. Uh, it's Wednesday. I think it's August 29th at the Black Labrador um, uh, in the kind of the Montrose area. Uh, so it's and uh, actually I'm probably going to be doing most of the speaking this time. Uh, and I'm going to actually talk about marketing. And uh, so it'll be a really good um, event for anybody who wants to learn how to market in this market. Um, people ask me all the time how I, I market because I'm I guess I'm kind of known as the whole scaling ninja uh, around around these parts because a lot of people don't know what I really do they just know I'm doing something really big uh, so uh, this will be kind of the first time where I, I dive deep into kind of how I market uh, so it's going to be actually things that I'm doing in my business so if people want to come out then um, Wednesday, uh, August 28th, 6.30 to 9 uh, at the Black Labrador. Mm -hmm. uh, it's free, so, you know, and, uh, you know, normally, you know, we're a little different than many other meetups. We don't, very rarely are we selling a class or, or do we have a class to even, even provide to you? Because mm -hmm. uh, me and Ray, we run a class maybe once a year out of that, uh, kind of just to pay, pay expenses, really, mm -hmm. uh, to keep the meetup going. Uh, we normally like to talk about either negotiating or creative financing. Uh, so we haven't done a class this year yet, so we may do one before the end of the year. Um, so that's Houston Real Deal. And then another event that we're actually doing in October is kind of strictly on wholesaling. And in particular, it's about how to scale a wholesaling business. So, so our, our event's called Whole Scaling Live. And it's going to be in Houston October 4th, 5th, and 6th in, um, you know, so it's going to be three days of all content. Um, most other events, they're basically pitching you into some type of coaching program or mastermind program. Uh, this event, uh, there's going to be no pitching. We're not selling anything. There's no mastermind to sell you. Uh, it's just what we ended up doing is we invited um, some of the best investors in the country to come to Houston mm -hmm. and basically deliver deliver value, deliver content. So um, we're going to have um, people speak on pretty much the A to Z on wholescaling. Mm -hmm. And right, so each person is going to talk about a specific part of the business. So for example, Steve Trang's actually coming. He's going to talk about the perfect seller appointment, uh, how to... Um, how to talk to the seller and how to negotiate the deal. Uh, Rafael Vargas is coming as well. Uh, he's actually going to be our feature speaker, and he's going to talk about how to pick the right markets and how to dominate them. Mm -hmm. um, we got uh, Gary uh, Harper who's going to come, and he's going to talk about kind of he's if you've read the book Traction, uh, then he's kind of an EOS master. What's uh, EOS? Uh, 
Oh wow! Entrepreneurial something system. Yeah, I don't remember. I just know it's traction. Yeah, uh, no, I've heard of the book. It. I would highly recommend that book for any entrepreneur. That yeah. is the number one book I recommend. Yeah. Uh, so read that book. Um, we also got uh, Annie Dragunov coming from Phoenix. She's she's going to talk about data. So the right list to pull and um, what to look for when you're skip tracing. Um, and we've got quite a number of other folks. We've got Jamil Danji. He's coming uh, from Keegley. And they do 50 to 80 deals a month. So you want uh, market? Uh, they are national as well. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, they're based out of Phoenix, but they're national. Is Raphael national or is he in uh, Raphael is national. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, he, I think Raphael's in probably nine markets now. Um, and then we got uh, Nick Perry out of Austin, Texas. Uh, but he doesn't do any deals in Austin. Uh, he does. He he does national. He he is the guy who really does national. Any market he's in, right. um, and uh, so he's going to talk about how to hire people. Okay. Like he's got the hiring process down packed. Yeah. So it sounds like you can cover a lot of ground there. Yeah. Who, who's the ideal audience? I mean, is it me? Is it somebody like, like me who is kind of new to the wholesale world? Uh, I mean, it sounds pretty intimidating to me to, you know, walk into the environment mm-hmm. uh, and be like, wow, you know, is it, is it right fit for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, what, what am I going to get out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who has a W-2 job? Yep. Um, or is it somebody who, you know, want to jump into the wholesaling, you know, want to take that next step or who has some wholesaling experience? Who's the right uh, yep. audience? Who's the right, who's yeah. the right audience? Yeah, no, good question. Uh, I, I will tell you what I think. This event would be good for anybody who potentially even wants to to be wholesaling because we're going to have the best investors. Uh, they're going to give you the best content as well. Uh, and if you're, let's just say you're starting out, it'll kind of give you an idea of where you need to be. Um, not only that, but the connections you will make yeah. at this event will be second to none. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. It's like, the speakers um, who are coming, they didn't know who else was speaking until the day we released. And as soon as we re-release, several of the speakers went on Facebook and like, oh my gosh, I'm speaking on that, on that, <laughs> on yeah. that w- with these other people, right? And all of these speakers, they're all multi-million dollar, uh, they all run multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. And they're all like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> these are the other people too? Um, so yeah, um, and uh, definitely for anybody who's who's running a, a wholesaling business uh, and want to take it to kind of the next level, then this is definitely an event for them. Uh, it, I mean, we're not going to. I'll be honest, we're not going to cover like the very basics of how to fill out a contract because mm-hmm. this this event is based on scaling. Like, how do you how do you scale? Um, you know, so. It's really going to be kind of the best of the best. And our goal is to provide everyone with the best experience. Um, Because we're not running this event to make money. Uh, Trust me, we're not. (laughs) It is not to make money. Uh, It is an event that basically is built such that we want it to go to. Right. But let's say, like, I'm a student, right? I want to, I'm really excited about the business. I can see myself doing wholesaling. I say, hey Charles, will you teach me business? Can we want to go, can I go into uh, partner with you? Can I JV with you? 
I mean, what do student what what happens when students say that to you? I mean, do do you t- typically go into take them under into a mentorship program or do you work with them or? How? Yeah, I personally do not have a real estate mentoring program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I mean, and a lot of people in Houston will, will hear me say this: is people will come up to me and ask at a meetup and say, "Hey, do you have a do you have a coaching program?" I was like, "For real estate?" They're like, "Yes." I'm like, "Yeah, you can't afford it." And then they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, nah, you just can't afford it. Uh, you know, only because if I'm going to, when I get involved in things, then I want to make sure it's successful. And like uh, real estate coaching is kind of, especially one-on-one, it's kind of pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't want to do something and, you know, I'm not, I'm not in it. I don't run all these things to go really make money. You know, I do it to kind of give back. Um, but if you do coaching, then it's kind of to me. You have a, you have some big shoes to fill, and right, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty intensive, and yeah. you know, I just couldn't, can't justify doing one-on-one coaching with someone. Yeah. Uh, but unless it's it's got to really be a big number. Yeah. And but what if I said, hey, I have a W two job, I have some capital, I want to put work. Hmm. Can't. Can somebody like that? Would you work with yeah. people who have yeah. JV like that, or who say, "I have a deal, Charles"? You know, hey, I want to, you know, I'll split with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something you would do uh, with your students? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would. Yeah, if it, I would more likely to do like JV type of deals, or if somebody has money to lend. Yeah, that um, is much easier for me to do because the time commitment—it's yeah. like just running another deal right. versus running, you know. Basically, uh, running somebody's business. Yeah. Um, you know, I do help people. I do help people run their business uh, and help help them that way, but not really like teach them real estate. Most yeah. of the times, when it's about teaching, coaching real estate, then I'm like just show up to a meetup or a meeting that I'm going to attend, and I'll I'll help you however I can there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? All right, last question before I get to a wrap-up, Ron. It's, you know, running all along here. I'm sorry taking all your time. This is a okay. really interesting conversation. Ah. So what's uh, I always ask this question, you know, what's one bad situation or a bad deal that you kind of encountered, whether it's recently or, you know, when you first started, kind of, I mean, you know, really you felt like you were, you know, you, you got screwed or, you, you, you know, but you learned a lot from it and kind of helped you propel down the path. I mean, do you have an example of a, kind of a, you know, whether it's deal or experience that kind of really cementing your mindset. Wow, I really learned a lot, even though that was a bad experience, but I learned a lot from it. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, I once got a property kind of far out, like a couple of hours away. Uh, and those properties are always kind of interesting um, because, especially for someone like me, like I don't really like going out to uh, visit properties as much anymore just because of the amount of time it takes. I'd rather either do it on the phone or or have somebody have somebody else go out to that the property. So I mean picked up a deal I mean very cheap. I mean right uh, it's right. a couple hours away in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so it's and you know sometimes selling those properties are pretty difficult because yeah. one is far out, yeah. kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then, uh, you know, anytime you actually got to go out and physically go do something, then it's either you're going out there or you got to go pay somebody to yeah. go out there. Right, come on. 
which address are we talking about? Beaumont or talking about Victoria? Which oh, uh, kind of kind of towards the corpus area. Oh, okay, got it. So like yeah. even you know yeah. in the middle of more nowhere, Brownsville. Yeah, <laughs> not even uh, Brownsville is a city. Uh, <laughs> this city's got a yeah, but you know so sometimes you know sometimes it's easier to kind of just walk away from stuff to be honest. Um, but you know everybody has these horror stories. Um, you know. For me, I, it's not that big of a deal, only because the purchase price was so cheap. It kind of, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. It's on, but it still weighs in your mind. In mm-hmm. my mind, it's nowadays. I'm just trying, trying to eliminate unnecessary noise yeah. from my mind. In order to scale, you got to kind of focus and you know, just do it bread and butter. Even though that deal can, you can net thirty thousand, but it's gonna take you forty hours to close, and that's just uh, not. You might, you might as well just do four other deals and do the same amount of money and exactly. less headache. Yes, half amount of time. Absolutely. Gotcha. Interesting. I mean, it's great. Uh, that leads to our next segment, which is kind of a general advice to our listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing a lot of things. By the way, when do you when do you jump in from from a from W two job to a full time? Uh, uh, so two thousand and sixteen. So okay. almost three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay, great. So you were putting in like, you know, 50 hours and, you know, corporate job, 50 hours in wholesaling. I mean, you're probably, now you have, you know, you're going through a mentorship, you're taking classes, and you're doing, you know, you have VA, but, uh, you know, how big, is your t- how big is your team and how do you manage your time now? What, what kind of, how do you focus your time? So, yeah, time management is uh, always a struggle. Uh, I'd love to say I have it perfectly down packed. I don't. Uh, I go in phases. So sometimes I'll be like spot on and I'm like doing my time management properly. Um, you know, for me, I would recommend everybody read the book, um, Getting Things Done. Uh, that that will at least because uh, I'm a structure guy. Uh, for me, I just I like for somebody to explain to me what best practice is and what their structure is. And then I'll go implement it uh, when I'm following the getting things done. Then I'm 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 at peace. And everything kind of falls in order. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic. I'm sitting here talking about it. I'm like, I really, like, I said after I got back on from from my trip um, last week that I'm going to start getting back onto that. Because when I was, when I am on following it, then everything just becomes much easier. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get back to the getting things done methodology using Evernote. Um, and also time blocking on my calendar. So that's the things that I'm going to focus on. Um, the other thing I recommend for your audience is, for me, is having a morning ritual. Uh, so my ideal morning is I'll probably wake up at 4.30. Uh, first things I'll do is go drink some water, uh, use the restroom, and then hop on the scale. Um, like uh, Because I'm in the, I'm a big health kick, so I'm like... I. And that way, I hop on it every day at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then it's there's no fluctuation of, I ate this morning, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and then uh, go through morning rituals of, like, uh, meditation, um, uh, gratitude, and then kind of visualization. And then also read. I mean, I encourage everybody to read as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to say I would exercise, uh, but kind of given what I'm doing from a dieting perspective is kind of hard for me to do in the morning. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to work that in. 
Uh, because another thing I would recommend to your audience, and for me this was a complete game changer, yeah. is um, I fast most of the day now. So a lot of times I will not eat until mm, probably probably my average is 5 in the afternoon. From 4.30 in the morning? Yeah, from 4.30 in the morning. Oh, so 5 in the afternoon. Uh, like some A lot of days um, I could probably go to 8 or 9 p.m., but... Um, uh, nowadays, I try to force myself to eat just because otherwise, it, you know, it's just better to eat, I think. Um, <laughs> That's always my motto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other thing is uh, I also go low carb. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I would love to say I'm zero carb, but mm -hmm. in reality, I'm not. Yeah. But I go low carb. And I, I will just tell you that the mental clarity you get by doing that, and I think it's probably more the low carb than the fasting, but the mental clarity you get from that is just off the charts. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm Asian. I love rice. Yes. How do you get away from rice? Do you like, is, 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 one, is one bowl too much? Or yeah, is... any rice is probably too much. Oh, man. No, I yeah. Can't. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm also, because I know my personality, I'm yeah. kind of extreme like that. Like, yeah. it's like I put my mind to do something, yeah. then, you know. I'm gonna go do it. It might take, you know. I might, I might not get it the first day, but eventually I will get there. Is there a cheat day, like uh, like once a month or once once? A I didn't use. I didn't used to put in a cheat day, uh -huh. um, but when I was out of town, I met a guy who said you need to put in cheat days mm -hmm. because, like, I started this maybe I can't remember maybe two three months ago, mm -hmm. and I've probably me I've probably lost like twenty five pounds. Wow, yeah. congratulations. Thanks. Um, and then, but I've kind of almost hit a wall too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't, you know, I've yeah. kind of lost that for a while now, for a couple of weeks now. Um, and then I met this guy, he's like, oh, you, you, you got to put in a cheat to kind of to reset or yeah. like throw your body back into disarray. Right. So he's going to go do it again. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So then, uh, like, it's funny you mentioned because yesterday I had a cheat day. I was just like, I'll cheat, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I really don't like to um, because now if I eat any carbs, then I'll, I'll just want to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'll, I'll tell you the other quick reason why fasting is beneficial. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm big on time. So fast, if I fast, then I know I'm not eating lunch. Yeah. If I know I'm not eating lunch, then I don't have to worry about what am I eat for lunch. Yeah. Nor do I have to worry about how do I get to lunch, the time I spend at lunch, then I'm just kind of, I have more time to get things done. Yeah. Well, that's definitely, um, you know, it's not for everybody. No, but, it's not for uh, everybody. Read up on it. I encourage you to. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a physician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I yeah. would tell you everybody who I've told it to and have actually yeah. done it. Yeah. Oh. Th yeah. Then they then they understand what I mean by mental clarity. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I hear people who does two or three day fasts. Right. They Jump. they start on a Thursday night and they don't eat until like Sunday night. Right. I mean, that's more a little bit more extreme. Maybe do you know once a month or once a quarter or once a year, mm -hmm. but they say that really kind of reset your body or like you know, get rid of all the you know, bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Kind of cleanses it. Yep. So I definitely uh, you know we'll do some research. I have some homework too after that. Yeah. Uh, read up on it. Um, but I don't know if I can get away from the good by me though. That's uh, yeah. You know, it. I, you know. Does it lose its appeal after a while or something? Just... Here's the thing: is given kind of what I do, 
if I eat like if I eat by me right now, yeah, the, which is bread for the my yeah. our American friends, right. it, then I will within thirty minutes want to go to sleep. Okay, like mm-hmm. I will, and if I I've, for July fourth, yeah. I had a burger with a bun, and I told my buddies, I'm like, I'm probably gonna fall asleep, <laughs> and then I fell yeah. asleep outside in the heat. So yeah. so now I know what carbs do to me. So then it's like easier not to eat. Yeah, them. some some fun unreal un, unreal estate yeah. stuff. So so what about sorry one last off topic thing. What about do you no beer? So you do wine or do you, do you drink any kind of alcohol? So uh, I'm I used to take my fair share of alcohol. Yeah. Like you know not uh, not not crazy Wine's or anything. Okay, though. Yeah, I mean I like the only time I would drink is when I would go out to. Actually, yeah. real estate events, right? Because right? there's a lot of events with alcohol. Yeah. Um, and then probably about a month ago, I said, I'm going to stop drinking because it, you know, I, and I recover pretty fast because yeah. I'm known to, I go to these seminars and I'll, I'll be out till two or three in the morning, mm-hmm. yet I'll still show up for 7 a.m. Mm. Uh, no matter what. I'm just, and they all know I do that. Right. And so, but um, I went to an event and I was like, well, I'm a little... I'm a little foggy the next morning. I was like, yeah, I got to cu- I got to cut this out. Uh, yeah. So now, so now, you know, I've planned my, I've planned when I'm going to drink for the next two months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cause I mean, given your travel schedule and you know, that's, you know, work schedule. I mean, it's, I mean, every real estate, even I go to, they serve some kind of, a, yeah, yeah. you know, no. advertisers and alcohol. I mean, kind of really gets everybody going and, you know, exactly you in, into the situations. Yeah. Know? Um, it's kind of cornerstone of real estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, because, yeah. It must be hard. Yeah, because it's like even that day I said I was going to do it, then um, I had a meeting with a lot of um, a lot of people who are helping us with this wholescaling event. Yeah. And we met at a bar. Yeah. All right. Picked up the tab. I didn't have a single drink. I just had water. So, yeah. Wow. But, you know, you just, it's just like anything else. To me, you just have to be able to put your mind to it, and yeah. then you just, you know, be around people who are going to support you, right? Yeah. I mean, because all my buddies there, like, they're like, "You're not going to drink." I was like, "No, I, I, I'm just not going to. I'm just not anymore because I just need mental clarity as yeah. often as I can." I need to take you to an Astros game so you can be a designated driver. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let me know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Good. So uh, and. I know we're kind of running along, but I just, this is kind of a fun segment we do yeah. with every podcast guest. So what what do you do for fun? Do you have family, have kids, or do you uh, kind of have any activities you do? Yeah, so I have a wife and two kids, a 7 and 11-year-old. Um, so, I mean, I try to run around as much with them as I can. Uh, my son's in Cub Scouts, so uh, which is pretty cool. I never knew about Cub Scouts and what Boy Scouts and all that stuff until last year. And I'm like... That's actually a pretty neat organization. I uh, highly recommend that. Um, uh, other things I do for fun, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm pretty busy usually, but I mean, I know the one thing I really love is college football. So I'm, oh. I'm very excited. For <laughs> are you an SEC guy? Or are you yeah, you? I'm SEC. I'm an yeah. LSU guy. Oh, man. Where'd you go? I went to a University of Illinois for uh, oh, undergrad wow. and uh, UVA, Virginia for oh, wow. uh, business school. But okay. Yeah, my teams are struggling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honest, to be honest. So, yeah, uh, they're basketball teams. <laughs> yeah, about ten years ago. 
Well, it's not a sore, sub, sore topic. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's good. And um, you mentioned getting things done as one of the books you read. Traction. Uh-huh. Yep. What, what, what current books you're reading now and what kind of, what was one of the favorite books you recently read or? Um, so, I mean, the books I would recommend would be, um, I already talked about Traction. That's the number one business book I would recommend. Um, I would recommend reading um, Go-Giver, uh, right? Because yeah. it just sets the right mindset. And um, that's actually the people I resonate with is all Go-Givers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't, we're not worried about competition. We just want to give, give, give. Um, and then uh, the book I'm reading right now is um, the Silva Mind Control Method. Uh, so it's it's kind of an an interesting book that talks about how you can, for lack of a better word, kind of program your mind and right be able to help you remember. It's kind of a little weird and out there, but like it's just. How to how to have better control of your mind and even kind of go remember things that you can't really remember. Your mm-hmm. subconscious has it, but your conscious just can't pull it up. Okay. And also, and there's a lot of other things. That's a little deep for me. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a pretty deep book. So, yeah. um, you know, would you recommend to beginners or was it was it a? I it it, it has nothing to do with real estate. It's yeah. just all about yeah. your mind. Because yeah. I mean, the one thing I would tell your listeners is. Um, you know, the law of attraction definitely works. So whatever you believe, then that's what will happen. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I know we're running long, short on time, but, uh, maybe another time I can explain, like, there's some things that have happened to me that have only happened because I said they would happen. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they will. They yeah, end up happening. yeah. I know people who have vision boards and things like that. It's definitely uh, it's not something that's um, people are saying done, but it's people actually believe in it and actually come true. And once yeah. you look at it, keep looking every day, and uh, you put your mind to it. it really yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well, definitely, I would take you up if you want to come back. What did okay visit some of the topics? Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Houston restaurant? Uh wow. Give me your new uh new dietary uh. Yeah, I mean, this is this is old favorite, previous favorite. Well, I'm I, I'm a very simplistic guy, so I mean, I'll tell you, like, it's even funny. I was reminded of this this morning uh, by my brother-in-law, uh, but it's kind of odd. But my favorite restaurant of all time is really a fast food restaurant. I'm a big, I'm a huge Popeyes fan. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just like, yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, and it, anybody in Houston who's interested in Popeyes, if you really like the spicy Popeyes. There's one in um, Pearland, um, off of was that five twelve or f- whatever yeah. the main road in Pearland yeah. is. Uh, there's a really good one down there. They don't serve spicy everywhere. Or? It's not the same. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, some people really say Popeyes chicken sandwich is better than Chick Fil A chicken sandwich. That's what I've heard. I, I read that somewhere. Uh, I think yesterday, and actually, I saw somebody eating it the other day. They said it was great. Yeah. But uh, right. I have the issue with the bun, <laughs> so I, I can't eat it. Yeah, just take their word for it. Um, have you recently bought, bought anything on Amazon or or anything that kind of online purchase really uh, made a difference in your life for the last 12 months? Can you remember like a, anything where there's... Um, um, I, I will tell you, I bought something that I would probably never really buy because, you know, I, I don't really buy stuff for myself, but it's kind of 
and it's kind of even weird, but um, I bought myself a subscription to a meditation service, mm. online meditation service yeah. called Headspace. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I can't remember. It might have been like fifty bucks yeah. a year, um, but it kind of it's actually very good if you can do it consistently. Right. Like it, it makes you breathe properly. It. You know, I remember getting into situations and then I think back to um, the meditation and it would calm me down almost immediately. Okay. So. And it's guided. Yeah, it's guided. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, so. That type of stuff, I, it has to be easy for me. Right. It's like hit the play button and then it just starts talking and I just follow yeah. whatever it tells me to do. Yeah. Now, I, now I also have it on Alexa. So then I right. say Alexa Headspace, <laughs> and then it, it just starts doing the right. meditation for and the day. And they have different programs, right? Like yeah. Like anxiety one, or, or happiness one, or mm-hmm. just a stressed out one. So yep. I mean, that's like they have kind of targeted meditation program for you, where you, know, you can kind of pick your pick your thing what you want to listen to today. Yep. Um, I think that's really I heard of it. Um, I think that's one thing I'm gonna look into too. It's uh, I heard it's people have good reviews. Heard good things about it. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. All right, lastly, Charles, how do people find out more about you? Uh, if they have questions about, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more deeper, the 102s on wholesaling and what you do and um, yep. about the programs that's coming mm-hmm. out. Yep. Um, so if you want to know more about wholescaling, um, then you can go to wholescalinglive.com. Um, uh, you can go to wholescalinglive.com, and if you want to register, then um, I think uh, you can use the code uh, LANDLORD. Um, for a, a promo code, and I think it'll give you 25% off. Oh, thank you very um, much. Yeah, Appreciate so, uh, you know, definitely if you got questions, uh, go there, or you can also hit me up. Um, probably the best way is uh, evidently Instagram is the new business card, so you can hit me up on Instagram, um, at bestrealcharles, um, and also uh, just kind of reminded me uh, that I actually just launched another pod, launched a podcast in the last probably month mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Best Real Day. Um, and the concept behind it is that, you know, we all work, we all work hard. At the end of the day, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you're either working really hard right now um, uh, to go get something better for yourself. Because nobody's really listening to podcasts just to listen to podcasts. They listen to it to get information so that they can go better themselves, their family, um, their partners, or whatever it is. So the whole concept of Best Real Day is how do you do what you need to do to make every day your best real day? All right, so right now we've got a whole bunch of real estate investors, a lot of folks who are coming to Whole Scale and Live. That's our mm-hmm. guests right now. Yeah. Uh, but we're also gonna start having a lot of people, you know, how to make every day your best real day. And, down the road, it's not all going to be about real estate. Yeah. It's going to be, how do you make every day that day that you envision? Nice. All right. You got one new listener. I'm okay. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate your time, Charles. Okay. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, if people have any questions and hit me up or just hit me up anyway. If you if if something uh, resonated with you and um, you you enjoyed something or you, or you took something and go took and did some action and got something done. I love actually hearing about success stories just because, you know, it, it, I, it's kind of weird, but a lot of times that makes me happier than actually doing a deal. Yeah. Is somebody saying, hey, you told me something like 
months ago. I did it and I made money. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, changing people's lives. Yep, yeah, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, we'll definitely bring you back next time. Okay. And, uh, six months a year down the road and uh, see how everything is going. I'm excited to cool. hear about your future. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Charles for coming to the podcast and sharing great business ideas, mindsets, and personal health tips with our listeners. If you want to learn more about Charles or the wholesaling business, you can check him out at wholescalinglive.com. W-H-O-L-E-S-C-A-L-I-N-G-L-I-V-E.com slash landlord. Or follow him on Instagram at bestrealcharles or listen to his new podcast, Best Real Day. As always, thanks to Ben Sound for planning music. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.